Hello and welcome back to the Couch GM Podcast. My name is Ryan Parker and I'm joined as always by Matt Chamberlain. How you doing, Matt? Doing good. The shot's feeling good. Yeah. Podcast feeling good. Man. Shoot good. Feel good. Yeah. I guess. Something like that. Uh, anyway, so remember to follow us on Twitter at NBA Couch GM Pod and follow us on Instagram as well at Couch GM Podcast. Uh, you can find us on uh, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or Stitcher. Um, a quick recap of episode five or forty-five, excuse me, not episode five. <laughs> uh, we talked about the Pacific Division, which includes Golden State, uh, both Los Angeles teams, Sacramento, and the Suns. We talked. Uh, about Golden State and their new look roster, the championship aspirations in LA, Sacramento's development, and the Suns' incredibly hot mess. <laughs> so, yeah, just perfect. It's just, oh my goodness. The perfect mess. The goats in the GM's mm-hmm. room, uh, office. Yeah, just so incredible. If you, if you don't know about that story, Google it. It will be one of the first things that pop up. Uh, <clears throat> but our biggest topic of the day is we're going to be talking about the Southeast Division, Ooh. which is going to be really trying to get through. <laughs> this might be our shor- shortest podcast ever. It might be. Uh, but first, we're going to also talk about Carmel Anthony, because he's been circulating in the news, and we've got some opinions on this. We, oh, boy, do we. Um, so part of the news is he reportedly wants to be on team usa team usa said no or we're going in a different direction whatever politically correct phrase you want to throw out there because if you look at what they they bring in they're bringing in like marcus smart they're bringing in chris middleton they're bringing in bam out of io they're not bringing in jimmy butler anymore they're not bringing in lebron or Kawhi. they're bringing in like C plus B minus guys for the most part. Yeah, and we're still the U.S. team is still going to run all over every other team in the country. Maybe. Uh, but. Well, the thing is, like, this isn't also the Olympic team. This is going to be for the FIBA World Cup. Yeah, which is different. So who cares? But also, yeah, to your point, like it's a bunch of young guys and some what, like uh, two tier stars. Yeah, like it's like. The most veteran guy are Chris Middleton and Kemba on this team. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, like, like from Melo's perspective, like, I get you want to play basketball. You want to prove yourself. Are you really going to – like, is it going to prove yourself playing against, like, Croatia? Maybe Croatia is a bad example. Uh, what is it? Uh, France? Yeah. I don't know. Just some, like, random country, like, that probably isn't that good at basketball. Nope. Like, is it going to prove that you belong in the NBA? No. Because a whole bunch of college kids could go over and probably win the FIBA World Cup. Uh, They'd at least get really close. Like, it would be... They would place. Like, it would be silver, maybe, but they would place. My biggest thing is he went on first take, right? And talked about Houston and his time in New York and how he's feeling uh, left out, I guess, of this, like... Sending off of these stars, right? We saw yeah. Dwayne Wade, Dirk, Dirk um, go out last year and give a farewell tour. But he's made it very public that he's wanted to go like on this farewell tour 
what are your thoughts about that, Matt? Like, what do you think about Melo going on the, like, getting a farewell tour, first of all? I actually don't mind. My, my issue, and we talked a little off air um, previously about this, is with, like, people who have got a farewell tour recently, like Wade and Dirk, you mentioned, is those guys were, like, associated with a franchise, Dallas or Miami, even though... Dwayne actually stepped away from Miami for a little bit and then came back. It's still Miami for for him. There's like an iconic guy associated with the city. And for better or for worse, I think Mello is going to be associated with New York. Right? Yeah, Not right. Denver. Right. Denver Mello is my favorite Mello. Um, so that's sad. But Denver's probably not bringing him in for a farewell tour because they're actually good. Yeah. And they, like they're not trying to do a farewell tour. They're trying to like win, win like fifty-five games this year and like compete. And does Melo help that? Probably not. And my probably not is based out of I think Carmelo Anthony can still play basketball. I think Carmelo, if you're thinking of like who are the four hundred best basketball players in the world, Carmelo's still in that category. Absolutely. But. Carmelo thinking he's a top 50 player in the world is incorrect. Like, it's just not true anymore. It was true, but I don't think it is anymore. And if he thinks he's that way and he plays that way, how many teams looking to win 55 games are looking to sign Carmelo Anthony? And the answer is obviously none. <laughs> zero. That would be zero. Well, like, the thing is, like, to your point even about, like, getting a farewell tour, like, M- Melo... For better or worse, hasn't won a championship. Nope. Dirk and Wade did. Yep. And like that, that's it. Like I think that qualifies for a farewell tour. Like Kobe, when he got his farewell tour, five-time NBA champion, but also was with one team his whole career. Yeah. And like that's so rare there's to the find. Link, and then there's the championships. There's a sentiment to it, yeah. right? In New York. He had, what, two good seasons? Like, yeah. they made the playoffs, like, once or twice? I think, yeah. That doesn't... I don't think that constitutes for a farewell tour. In my book. Yeah, I mean, like... because you forced Ray out of Denver to get to New York, that doesn't, like, build you up credibility. Right. To that level. And, like, another thing is, like, he had every opportunity. Like, he's... Compl- it almost seems like he's complaining about not winning a championship. He had every opportunity to control that, yet he decided to stay in New York and earn his money, which is great. Like, that's your prerogative, but now you can't complain about, well, now I'm not getting the credit that LeBron and D-Wade are, even though I feel like I'm at their level. Well, yeah, because you could have gone four years ago and been Eric Gordon-esque and just said, like, I can probably better than number three or four option, but I'm just going to be that so I can be a part of a good team that's actually, like, vying for something. You you had the chance. You said no. Like, you're right. I'm all for taking the money. Like, take that money, set your family up for life. Like, yeah. Well, like, for generations. But, like, if you don't win and make money, then you can at least say, like, well, I made the money. But if you're in where he is now, at this point in his life, like, money's not that important because I made, like, hundreds of millions <laughs> of dollars. What's the difference between having $200 million and $205 million? Well, now it's nothing. At the time, maybe it was something, but... Now you're like, man, I wish I had a championship. Yeah. And I get that. But, you know, the NBA at the same time gets it too. Because they're not signing him. They're like, you made that choice. So here we are. Yeah. I mean, like, it's just such a, like, 
I mean, you you have a list of teams here we can go through, but like, if he were to get signed, like, I don't see it. Like, who's signing the, him? The the very obvious like one for me is Houston, but obviously he can't go back. Like, you can't <laughs> do that. Like, from both sides, you just can't do it. What you don't think Russ and James Harden would <laughs> like t- two guys he has not gotten along with in the last two destinations. Would just welcome him back with open arms. Yeah, right. No, I don't. But like, I yeah, this whole list. I, I just I was doing this as as we were talking. Teams just in the West. I I just scrolled through West teams that made a choice at like a three four position that Mello could have played over Mello. Just think about this real quick. Sacramento chose Tyler Lydon. Minnesota chose Noah Vonley. Houston chose like screw it, we're just gonna roll with Gary Clark as our back. Utah said we'll take Jeff Green. New Orleans said, we'll go get this guy, Nicola Melly or whatever, from overseas. Portland said, we'd rather have Anthony Tolliver. The Lakers said, we'll take Jared Dudley. The Clippers said, I'd rather have Patrick Patterson, who was trash. Dallas said, we'll take Dorian Finney-Smith. Golden State said, we'll take Glenn Robinson the third over Melo. And that was just me scrolling through the West teams real quick. I didn't even like get to like the fact that the East has teams too. Like Philly could have taken him on, but they chose to bring back James Ennis at the minimum. Like there are teams in the East too who could have used him because I'm assuming he wants to go to a playoff, playoff almost type of team, like a goodish team. Yeah. And I just listed like 10 and all of them said we would rather have player X. And none of those guys are like great at basketball in terms of NBA standards. Like you'd be like, man, why didn't you take Melo? Because all those guys know their role. Yeah. Like, we were talking, just joking about Anthony Tolliver. And I love <laughs> Anthony Tolliver. He's one of my favorite players. Um, he's like Went to my, your high school, right? Yeah, he did. Um, still wears those tall socks. Um, it's just great. Um, if, if Anthony Tolliver this year for Portland, like, instead of catching and shooting that corner three, starts to, like, pump fake, take guys off the dribble, and then do, like, a spin baseline for a fadeaway, like... Dude's getting cut. Like, just straight up. Like, like immediately like, getting yeah. yanked out of the Neil game. Neil Olshay <laughs> walks on the court and escorts him off, right? Like, and Anthony Tolliver's really nice, so he wouldn't fight him about it. But, like, if he did that, that's what would happen. And if Carmelo does it, people are like, oh, it's just Melo. And granted, Melo has a lot more NBA stock than Anthony Tolliver, but... Does he? Because Houston, 10 games in, said, see you later. Yeah. That's the thing. Like Anthony Tolliver can find his way on an NBA roster and stick and be like a good like ten to fifteen minute per game guy, and that's what he'll be for Portland. So like he's going to be the backup four and he's going to play quite a few minutes, especially with Nurkic out at the beginning of the year. He's a perfect floor spacer in a way like they saw in the playoffs. Like Al Aminu couldn't be. Anthony Tolliver is not as good of a defender, but he tries on defense and he shoots threes at like a forty plus percent clip. That's what so, you need. Would would Melo do that? Would Melo stand in the corner or on the wing and catch and shoot threes at a 40-plus percent clip? He could do it. Is he going to choose to do it? No. No. Is he going to at least try on defense to make like the opposing like team like slightly more difficult to like score? No. He's not. Like It's just going to be like Olay defense, you know? <laughs> Let him by. Jump for the steal, and if you didn't get it, well, we'll try again next time. <laughs> So that's the thing, like with with Carmelo, is Carmelo is still a top four hundred player in the league in the world. Yeah, he's still an all world type of shooter. But if you don't, 
accept your role, which is a bottom five guy on a roster or like a last rotation piece, then there's not a spot in the NBA for Melo anymore. Yeah. It's a harsh reality. It is. Like, it's sad to see, like, one of these stars, like, had to have, like, an ungraceful ending. We see it in every generation yeah. of stars. And it, unfortunately, it's mellow, but, like, you're absolutely right. Like, it's just painful to watch this. Like, even, like, I'm not much of a mellow guy, like, backing down guys off the block and turning around and shooting long twos. Not my forte. Whatever. But, like, I also understand the people that loved him um, and want to see him succeed, but might not ever get a chance in the NBA yeah. again. Yeah. Hey, sneaky good spot for him might be Orlando to be the backup four there. Like, God, don't they have a ton of wings already? So, like, they have... Uh, um, we'll get to we'll, it. We'll yeah, get to it. We'll, we'll get, get to, to it. We'll bring it. This is going to be perfect. Um, okay. We'll to bring him up later. That would be interesting. We'll talk about it. Mel's probably going to say Since no. we're talking about the Southeast Division <laughs> Day anyway. Um, so, we'll just get into that. Mello, he'll get a, a slight moment um, of mentionment later. So, we'll go through the Southeast, which this is a projecting to the future type of division because this one is uh not good to say the least this has to be like you know we go through some of the other divisions and we're like man is this the best division in the league this is definitely by far the worst Worst. collectively (laughs) worst um so again uh, in case you haven't been with us we'll examine all these teams rosters and give them broad projections and outlooks for them point out some notable or breakout players in situations assuming no more major injuries so like we have to factor in the john wall injury because it's already happened but we're hoping for nothing else um for anyone else that we will mention so we'll get into atlanta um kind of the darling team for a lot of people including me um i admit i mean yeah they're like the poster child for rebuilding right yeah they are um last season went 29 and 53 that's not very good but they uh they they had a wonderful draft um were they able to move up to number four have number eight and uh they had they got a couple good players so this is what they're gonna look like thinking that actually one of them will start so trey young uh kevin herter deandre hunter their number four pick john collins and then i actually think alex lund's gonna start at center for them he had a sneaky good year for them and uh i think they were impressed and they brought him back so there's gonna be your starting five your backups uh, guards, something like, ooh, Evan Turner, Alan <laughs> Crabb, and Vince Carter. Um, they, probably, they just re-signed Vince Carter, too, they by did. the way. Um, probably need another point guard in there. So look for them to maybe stu- still do something. Backup wings, um, is Cam Reddish, who they took at number eight. DeAndre Bembry. Jabari Parker, they brought him in. And also they brought in Chandler Parsons. Ayo. So that's a thing. Um, we'll see if it amounts to something. But for now, like, he's into the bench guy making a whole bunch of money yeah. and then uh backup bigs behind alex len will be their second round draft pick bruno fernando and then damian jones who they brought in um from golden state so like we mentioned as like a projection outlook for them they they really do have the potential to be like this year's cinderella like people fell in love with like sacramento and like dallas for most of the year last year i think this is kind of where they're at is that 40-ish win range and if you're at the end of the season you're like oh hell could Atlanta make the playoffs (laughs) yeah I mean like uh, I think they're like you said like they're gonna be everyone's everyone everyone's second year favorite player is gonna be Trey Young feels like it 
because he's lighting it up at team with team USA right now. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't know if you've seen highlights of him this summer, but that dude's passing is just otherworldly. He does look a little bigger too. Like that's been the report is he's put on a little bit of muscle. He does look a little bigger. Yeah, because he's real short. He's really short. His program height's like six one. Yeah, that means he's like five eleven. Probably. <laughs> so, you know, and uh, but I get the hype with him. Um, still, mm. Kevin Herter, like I get the hype there. Like he's a good basketball player. I think Hunter's like a really good basketball player. Like as like a fourth, fifth option to step in right away. DeAndre Hunter, like he's that. That's fine. The bigger point is and out of all this is one Trey Young and two it's John Collins. Like that's what ultimately is going to decide. Like is this team still in like the low mid 30s or does this team elevate to like the 40s somewhere? So what do you we'll start with Trey Young since he is kind of like the poster child of this team. Is like what what do you think? What's realistic for Trey Young expectation wise this year? Oh man, because I'm I'm not gonna lie, I don't put a ton of stock in the USA stuff because it's just practice. Right, it's like practicing against chairs. Yeah, um, it, it's so tough because like these second year guys, like a lot of times, might not take the step we want them to see. We saw that a lot with Jason Tatum. You know yeah, a lot about we that. We did. Uh, <laughs> but I think the nice thing is he didn't really start the season off hot. It took him a no. while to kind of adjust to the NBA. Um, But after the all-star break, Atlanta was incredible. Mm -hmm. And he was specifically, was just on fire. Like he was hitting game winners. He was assisting like crazy, like between the legs, like wraparound passes. I think this year for him, like he could potentially make that most improved player type of jump. Um, because he is, he was starting to show so much potential. I don't think he can plateau this year as much as we've seen in other second-year players. I could be wrong, but I just have this feeling that um, Trey's going to come out firing the season, and it's going to be it's going to be a different look Atlanta this year. I think they're going to push for the playoffs because of him. Yeah, that that makes total. Um sense to me so trey young um after the all-star break you mentioned played 23 games in those 23 games he was 44 percent from the field 35 percent from three 88 percent from the free throw line averaged 24.7 points nine assists 9.2 assists and 4.7 rebounds it's, it's good. pretty good it's really good <laughs> if he could maintain that for a year he like that's like top 10 point guard in the nba status yeah. I know the, the point guard position is kind of getting dissolved as, like, just guard. But if we did truly, like, a point guard's ranking and you were excluding, like, James Harden or something like that, then, like, he might have a real case of, like, a top 10 point guard if he were to keep up those stats for a year. Now, it's hard to keep up those stats for a year, and that's yeah. the thing. That's why, like, his um, averages for the entire season was, like, only 19 points a game eight assists, three and a half rebounds. Like there's a reason why like it's significantly lower overall because that's the first two thirds of the season with that one third that looked really, really good. It, but it was fantastic. Yeah. And that's what it gives you hope going forward. I wouldn't be surprised like if the stat line of like 20 and eight is again, similar this year, but maybe just more efficient. 
Because yeah. his overall like field goal percentage for the year was 41.8%. Not great. His overall three-point percentage for the entire year was 32.4. Not great. And it's like, we know he's a better shooter than that, but yeah. he was also taking like 35-footers yeah. just for fun. Because um, so, that's what Atlanta wanted him to do. Yeah, and so like if he can figure out the efficiency model for how to shoot the way he shoots and bring that up a little bit more, then I think like you have a very real... like top 10-esque point guard at least like in the near future you would have that with trey young so like that's where i'm kind of as i think the numbers are going to be kind of similar but i just want more efficiency yeah and then with john collins so john collins didn't get to play the the full year for atlanta um due to injury which is unfortunate because again john collins is one of those guys that doesn't get a lot of publicity doesn't get a ton of love but he's a really fun basketball player um, only played in 61 games for Atlanta this past year. But in those 61 games, averaged... So he jumped from 10.5 points per game his rookie year to 19.5. So that's, that's a big jump. That is a big jump. Um, rebounds went from 7 to 9.8. Assists went from 1 to 2. Like He took a real step forward on yeah. the offensive end. And three-point shooting. It's, this is going to be what makes or breaks John Collins as an all-star or a really good NBA player. In John Collins' first year with Atlanta, he attempted 0.6 three-pointers a game, hit him at a 34% clip. This past year, he averaged 2.6 a game, shot at 35%. If John Collins can like take like three to four a game on average at a 35-plus percent clip, John Collins is an NBA all-star like easily in my eyes because this dude can fly, yeah. he can shoot, and then he's like a good defender too. Like... I don't see a hole in his game then. Yeah, he could be like the Draymond 2.0 who like you see kind of just play the five and yeah. just like dominate from that position. And Even though he might be a little undersized for that and center. He's, he's 6'10", 235. He, he says like he's trying to put on muscle, mm. but he wants to become such a good shooter that in theory, if Lloyd Pierce wanted him to play the three, he could play the three just because his shooting was so good. He's, he talked in an interview this summer, like that's his goal for himself is to be strong enough to defend a five, but versatile enough as a three-point shooter to play the three. Yeah. Which that really means he's a four who can probably slide down the lineup to the five, but it's like cool the idea that he, at his size, the way he plays and the way he came into the league, he could be a three-point shooter. Yeah, I mean, like that would be this would that would change the game for Atlanta and how they're able to play. I love that little. I, I don't remember you were telling me about this and or this story he was telling on a podcast maybe, mm-hmm. and like he was uh, wondering about why he wasn't getting like votes for most improved player. So he called the league office, and they told him he was too good. Like. You're too good to qualify for it. And he's like, well, what do you mean I'm too good to qualify? <laughs> Does that mean I just win the award? <laughs> do I, am I default then the best? Because like, like, I, I think he actually had a good case. Now he only played 61 games. So that like would hurt right. his case. But at the same time, like if this dude had played all 82, like there have been a very real, like, is is it him or Pascal? And then, of course, D'Angelo Russell came on. But like 
you would have had a very real discussion. And if he plays all year, Atlanta's not winning 29 games. No. Atlanta's winning 34, 35, and then they're right there with Dallas at like 35 wins. Yeah. So, like, the, again, it's a different discussion than with this team if he got to play the beginning of the year, but he didn't. And, and that's just part of the injury. But overall, like, I'm assuming good health for him this year. And if him and Trey Young can kind of create this dynamic pick and roll, pick and pop duo, like, this is a scary outlook for the rest of the league moving forward. Because that's just, again, this is a future division. Right. That That's just incredible moving forward. Yes, absolutely. So let's go ahead and move on to the next team. Oh, Not God. quite as fun to talk about. Um, oh, and this team we've, we've crapped on a lot this summer. Uh, we had, they weren't even up to be talked about, but they just somehow kept coming up. Um, Charlotte. <laughs> So last season, Charlotte went 39 and 43. That's going to plummet this year. Uh, they, they were active in free agency um, by going out and getting Terry Rozier. That's a thing. Um, he'll, he's going to be the starting point guard because you're paying him like $18 million. Um, from there, though, is where it gets really interesting with this team, like what they're going to do. Because I still think on some level, Charlotte wants to be like not terrible. Yes. And uh, I just don't see a ton of paths, though, for this team to be not, not terrible. Um, so the rest of the starting lineup, I'm thinking it's going to be something like Malik Monk, Miles Bridges, Nick Batum, and Cody Zeller, which, I mean, it's not a good starting lineup, but it's somewhat respectable. <laughs> After that, though, you get into the backups, which are going to be like Devontae, Graham, Dwayne Bacon... Marvin Williams, um, their draft pick, P.J. Washington, and Vili Hernan Gomez, and you have other guys filling all the end of the bench, like Bismack Biombo, Michael Cade Gilchrist, um, Jalen McDaniels, and Cody Martin. So not a ton to be excited about with this team outside of Monk and Bridges, I'd say. And that's even like a very tempered um, outlook moving forward. So projections outlook, I just said not good. That's all I put. <laughs> that's the. I mean, that's the only thing because you're still paying Bismack Biombo what fifteen million dollars a year. I even be more than that. And then Michael Kidd Gilchrist like thirteen. Thirteen. You're thirty. Oh. Thirty million dollars being committed to Michael Kidd Gilchrist and Bismack Biombo. But you wouldn't pay Kemba Walker the extra. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, <laughs> that's so. the line. We're not gonna pay our All Star guy. We're going to pay Bismack, though. There it is. And that's why you lost him. And you have had to bring in Terry Rozier. Um, so there's really only two big questions with this team. It's will the young guys, by young guys, I mean Monk, Bridges, and I'm hoping they play P.J. Washington and not stick him behind Michael Kidd Gilchrist. Um, I could see him doing it, but will they empower those young guys to like play and play through their mistakes and learn from them? Or are they going to try and like play Nick Batum 30 minutes a game? Uh, this is only a semi-rhetorical question because I, mean, I feel this, like there's an obvious answer with this, this team. This is your boy, James, James Borrego. Borrego. I like James Borrego. And on some of them, like, this is not James Borrego's fault. <laughs> That's um, true. He just has a short lease for his young guys. I'll say like, and, and I get that when you were trying to be good. Yeah. But if, like, it's coming from the top down, like, look, we need to, like, rebuild this team. Like, play the young guys and just be, like, a true developmental program. I think James Rego would do it and do a fine job at it. But it's just your definition of fine job. 
what's your like we talk about this with a few other teams like over the past podcasts what do you define as success for charlotte if you won 20 games but you felt a hundred times better about malik monk and miles bridges moving forward i think you have to take that this year like that's where you have to be because if you just kind of win another somehow 30 35 games and you feel like you've learned nothing else about miles bridges and malik monk you're setting your franchise back another five years yeah, because they just haven't. I mean, they haven't. They haven't been smart in free agency. They haven't made smart trades. They haven't. I mean, they this franchise has just been just raked through the cold. Like their best yeah. decision was Kemba drafting Kemba, and how long ago? Like that ten was years ago. Ten years ago. Um, like I think you're right. Like you just gotta let Malik Monk and Miles Bridges just play and figure out if they're good NBA players or not. Um, because if turn if they're not, then you can sell them off at the trade deadline and just sell the uh, just start rebuilding. Like that's yeah. what you do. I mean, you're in rebuilding mode right now, but that's what you have to do. Um, yeah. And if they are great, like you can keep them and start building around them once you get some of these awful contracts off your books this next summer. But like the, this team's just so locked. Like they're mm-hmm. they are so bad. And so cap locked. There's nothing they can do to make this team better. Yeah, I know. And that's just like they're in like that purgatory like area like we've talked about before. Like they just kind of stayed in that drafting nine to twelve range for years. They can never get over the hump, or they never invest in the right guys. And then you draw you like you basically made your star player say, "I can't be here anymore." And so he left. This is the pinnacle of it. Now, now here comes like the hard downside yep. of this franchise and that's just kind of where they're at the other question for them is, is then can terry rosier be the point guard of the future for this team he, they signed him to a three-year 58 million dollar deal like at the first moment they could in free agency they're very committed to this as a boston fan i watched terry rosier for a few years and you saw glimpses and then by the end of this last year you're like Please, someone take him away from us. <laughs> Do not let him come back to this team. And Charlotte took him, which it kind of worked out as a swap, Kimba for for Rozier. <laughs> and I'll pay Kimba the extra money. I don't care. Um, but man, like if you're Charlotte now, like I guess you really only have two years of Terry Rozier before he's a you know expiring contract. So in two years, what do we need from Terry Rozier to like look like an NBA starting point guard? question is does he become reggie jackson yikes like that's yes. that's like the that's the trajectory he's on right now right like a oh it's exactly it disgruntled backup point guard who wants out wants his own team gets his own team has his opportunity and now can he take advantage of it i think terry can like you said he's shown signs and he's played well in the playoffs now that's under Brad Stevens, who has has a great system for guards. I don't know if James Borrego will have that same type of system and what kind of restraints Terry is going to be under in terms of running the offense. But he's essentially the face face of the franchise. Like, uh, there's no other face of the franchise. Yeah. Like Michael Jordan, like of course is the owner, right? Yeah. And so like he's there, but as from a player perspective, like if you're not buying, if you're not sold on the young guys then kind of yeah because you know batum's on his way out yeah zeller is going to be on his way out marvin williams is going to be on his way out 
Katie Gilchrist, who's been here for a while, is going to be on his way out soon. Like, all those guys are coming off the books, like, in the next year or so. So, like, you do have that to look forward to, but, like, is future cap space the face of your franchise? <laughs> That's, like, a very Nixy thing to yeah, do. Yeah, I was about to say, ask the Knicks, see how they feel about it. And, it's, and look where it got them. That's how so. they ended up with 15 power forwards on the roster. At least you're in New York, though, and not Charlotte. So, that's just kind of where they're at, and it's, it's a tough place to be in. I... I guess I'll give Terry the benefit of I'll wait and see, yeah. but I'm not, I'm, I'm more on the Reggie Jackson path, which is I'm not a fan. And Charlotte has done this before. It's like a player has played well in Destination X. They've gone out and signed him for a lot of money, and then it didn't work out. Last mm-hmm. example of that, Lance Stevenson. Lance Stevenson. I mean, you even look at Nick Batum, too, yeah. on this roster. like, And just proof, like, on some level, like, you got to know who you're bringing in, are they going to fit where you're going, who you want to be? And I'm not sure Terry does, but he's still young enough. Maybe he can turn it around. But I feel like everyone had that same comment about Reggie Jackson. And he's just making money up in Detroit. Well, and not playing and they're trying to get yeah. rid of him. So Well, I mean, like the thing about it is like Charlotte, they've swung for the fences on these role players who end up still being role players. You're just paying them. Like, like a superstar. <laughs> yeah. Which is crazy. Um, well, I don't want to talk about Charlotte, Charlotte anymore. Slightly more fun team. Miami. Yeah. Um, same record, though, as Charlotte last year. 39 and 43. But um, their reasons were different why they, they ended like that. They did discover something, though, in a point justice. So we'll we'll talk about that. But... The starting lineup for Miami this year is going to look something probably like Justice Winslow. I think Deion Waiters is going to start for this team, um, which is odd. But Deion Dagger. Don't doubt him. Will. Um, Jimmy Butler at the three, James Johnson at the four, and then Bam Adebayo at the five. Man, that is a like hardcore, just massive, brutal starting lineup. This is going to, like, is this one of the most, if not the most physical team in the league? I think it has to be like with, between Bam, James Johnson, and Jimmy Butler alone, that might be qualifying for the most physical team. Like no add in Justice Winslow. Yeah, like he's essentially a four playing the point guard. Like there's no way you're getting to the rim without like five dollars being taken out of your wallet every time. <laughs> Earning back all that fine money. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a really intimidating. It's a it's a really tough look, but it could work. And the backups, I think. So this would mean, though, Goran Dragic is coming off the bench. We'll see how long that lasts um, or how long he's on this team. But Goran Dragic, their first-round draft pick, Tyler Harrow, Derek Jones, Kelly Olenek, Myers Leonard as, like, your next five, which that's a pretty decent back yeah. um, backup five. Um, some versatility from what the starters have. And then Kendrick Nunn, Duncan Robinson, Casey Akpala, Udonis Haslam back for a 17th year um, at the end of this bench. So that starting lineup of a very physical team, um, shooting though maybe a touch limited, and then you bring in the backups like Harrow or Dragic or Linick or Leonard, some stretch guys. Yeah. Um, so I like that they can kind of mix and match their lineups as they need. And I think Eric Spolstra is a good guy to have with all these different options um, going into this season. So projections for this team then, I'm not super high on them, but I think six through ten in the east is where they're at but leaning towards playoffs for me like jimmy butler and miami vice 
jersey gets them to the playoffs. <laughs> like, defaultly. Like, they're at least the eight seed. But, yeah, you're absolutely right. Like, they're, they could, like, an like a Jimmy Butler, like 10 games stint missing the game, missing for a sprained ankle or something like that gets them to the nine. Yeah. Like that's just how the, but like the East could bottom of the East could be so bad that they, there's only 10 teams even remotely in contention. So like you're, you could miss 10 games and you're still right there. You could Um, still end up staying with six. Like (laughs) nothing happens to your seating whatsoever. So that's kind of where I'm at is I'm still thinking they're a, so bottom playoff team, still playoff team, and, and I'm for that. I think that's why you go get Jimmy Butler um, and trade Josh Richardson and do what you do. So, again, what or who to watch for? Again, I think this point justice thing is, like, super fascinating because they've kind of just stumbled upon it and then fell in love with it. Well, it was, like, quietly a thing. Like, the, yeah. no one really watched a lot of Miami games oh, last no. year. Uh, so, like, it's just, like, quietly been that transition for him and he i mean borderline was almost out of their like rotation yeah at well if just playing the four and needing him to kind of be a stretch guy they were literally like we would rather play kelly olenic yeah and like and then you find it because they what their all their point guards got hurt essentially yeah, within injuries. a week yeah and they just eric spolster threw him in the starting lineup as point guard and it kind of stuck um I mean, this is no different than essentially like a Ben Simmons situation, right? Yeah. And that's what I was thinking of like when we were rattling off that starting lineup. Was like, I mean, I know it's different players and everything, but like this is Philly. This is what they're trying to do. They're trying to be big in their four or five, physical throughout their roster, and then have a really big point guard. And then the other team's opposing point guard, as long as you can have someone who can kind of guard him, like you're going to create a matchup problem with the size and physicality you have. It's just then can you convert on the offensive end and make it worth it? And this team I feel less confident about than I do that Philly team, obviously. That's why I'm putting them at the bottom half of the playoffs in the East. But like, there's still some like real potential there, like the same way Philly has potential to see how this works. Um, then, ironically, then it's Jimmy Butler going from Philly to Miami. How does he make this situation work? This different situation, new set of teammates... This is his third team now in a couple years. Man, he's just turnover, 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 turnover in terms of teammates. But can he find a a good mesh with this group enough to be like, this is a place I want to stay for the duration of my contract, all four years? Yeah, I mean, as long as he doesn't, like, we've talked about it before in some of our free agency stuff, is like, this is really the only free agent superstar who didn't team up with anybody really. Not really. Um, and there's not really someone in place to uh, kind of be that guy second with him. Um, mm-hmm. There's a collection of guys. Here. There's a good collection of guys, and they. I think their draft pick, Tyler Harrow, might turn out to be better than what yeah. we even thought. Lit up Summer League. Lit up Summer League. Summer League heroes. We have yeah. a ton of those. Um <laughs> But yeah, I mean, maybe Justin Winslow takes. I mean, Justin Winslow is literally 23 years old, so he's still developing. Shot 38 percent, yeah. essentially from three last Limited year on did attempts, but one one like one and a half, or excuse me, almost four attempts on one and a half makes. I mean, that's not bad. Um, and like, if you feel like eventually Miami can be the destination where you can convince another star, the next disgruntled star to come. Yeah. Like 
then you're looking at a really good team because then you could possibly have depth and and two superstars, what we praise the Clippers for doing. Yeah, that's a thing for Miami is a lot of their contracts are coming off the books. Um, at the end of this season, um, whether that's Drogic or um, James Johnson has a player option he might pick up. Kelly Olynyk has a player option he might pick up. Deion Waiters only has this year and one more left. Like, then Bam still has another year, so you have another year to figure out his contract situations. So, like, in the next year or so, like this team could look very different in a good way um, if they if they play it out right. And you're right if they can get that second star to actually come to them. The last little piece here, and it's based out of the um, USA camps, is the development of Bam Adebayo. So when this dude came into the draft, he was a rim runner who mm-hmm. blocked a lot of shots, and but he was like the super physical freak. And now it's like, wait a minute, can Bam Adebayo like shoot? Because <laughs> there's kind of been like this rumor floating around for like a year or so now. Like Bam can like do things with the ball in his hands, like not just like catch lobs. Although it's really fun to watch him catch lobs. He's yeah. really good at it. Yeah. Um, like wait a minute, can he pass out of, like, the short roll? Or, like, can he pop and hit? Actually, it kind of looks like yes. It's if in it, practice, it's, it's yes. Okay, so that would be awesome if he can in a real game. But yeah. it's the same thing we talk about with, ben, speaking of Ben Simmons, bringing him up again. It's like, cool, you can shoot all you want in five-on-five pickup. Until you start doing an actual NBA game. I don't believe you. I don't believe you. Yeah, and and I totally get that. Um, same time, those dudes like literally just turned 22 in yeah. July, so he's super young still, um, still figuring out basketball. So like, I, I totally get like the the reservation about it, and like don't get me wrong, like, I I'm the same way, but again, projection if, outlook with this division. Yeah, if you project that, like if he could do, I don't know, like just like Draymond S things. Yeah. Like, that that just changes what this team can be. Mm-hmm. And even his, like, trade value, like, if you wanted to trade him. Yeah, I know. He could be, like, that super sweetener, like, in a in a deal. So, it's like, his his rebounds stepped up significantly from year one to year two. His assists stepped up. His blocks, his steals, like, everything, like, got better. His points got better. Like, his shooting got better. Like, literally everything about his game got better from year one to year two. That makes me hopeful if literally every statistical category goes up like significantly from one year to the next that tells me like you've got something there like you've got something real going forward and like a skill you can develop so that's why I'm, like i'm somewhat confident bam out of bio can like be more than just a rim runner but you know at the same time like i acknowledge like it still might not be this season that we really see it happen yeah maybe it's part of the slow transition into it though and another thing like just before we move on he was also competing with Hassan Whiteside for minutes, yeah, which is not a nightmare. Well, I feel like there was a uh, an obligation to play Whiteside because you're paying him like twenty seven million dollars, <laughs> right? Paying Bam out of bio like three and a half because yeah. he's on his rookie contract. <laughs> um, so I feel like that was part of it too. Um, but now I think he's just the starter, um, pretty clear cut the starter. Um, Myers Leonard will back him up. Yep, and that's a that's a really good one two combination and bam still doesn't have to play 30 minutes um it can still be like a 28 and 20 split for uh Adebayo and leonard and that way leonard's still getting his minutes being happy contributing 
and Soka to Adebayo. And if you need one of those guys to play a little more, a little less than one night, I don't think either guy will take it super personally um, if one of them's like hot. Yeah. So I think you have a, a good front court situation going in, in Miami there. So now Orlando, kind of a surprise team um, from this past year. Went 42-40. and 40. Won game one against Toronto. Um, <laughs> but uh, on that DJ Augustine uh, shot. But then uh, Toronto blew him out after that. So this team, it's, it's kind of odd because they brought back uh, most of the team from last year. But there's a couple new pieces in here also. So... I think DJ Augustine's one just going to be the starting point guard for this team. <laughs> Until someone else like takes it from him, I think they just kind of like have to keep going with it. Um, so for right now, I'm calling DJ Augustine the starter, along with Yvonne Fournier, Jonathan Isaac, Aaron Gordon, and Nick Vucevic. That means their backup situation would be Michael Carter-Williams. They brought back Terrence Ross. They brought in Al Camino. They drafted Chumo Kiki, which he might be ready by the start of the year um, if he isn't. I could see them rearranging um, Aminu down to the four, mm. Ross down to the three, kind of making it work. But we'll put Okiki as the backup power forward right now since he spent the number 16 pick on him. And then uh, Mo Bamba as the backup big. And then at the end of your bench, you still have guys like Kim Birch, uh, Melvin Frazier, Wesley Wundu, and then most notoriously, Markel Fultz. So... I mean, I'm putting him there as like an injured. The same way I would put John Wall at the end Clay of the Thompson. Wizards. Clay Thompson at the end of the uh, Warriors. Like, you, I'm putting him there until I can definitively hear that they are playing basketball again um, for the team. So that's why he's there. So projections, I actually said the same thing as I did with Miami. 6-10 to 10 in the East. However, I put them more as a slightly leaning towards fighting for the playoffs. Whereas Miami, I felt more confident in like 6-7-8. Orlando, I feel more like as a eight, nine, ten, um, yeah, in the East. It's probably more realistically where they're at. Again, they could surprise people and earn like a seven, but I'm I'm not there on them yet. Um, just because it's hard to bring back a team and just do the exact same thing, like the next year. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, their their next jump is gonna be whether Jonathan Isaac is a guy. Yeah. Like yes. that's 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 where their jump comes to. Aaron Gordon has proven he can play in the NBA. A good NBA player. Yeah. Probably, de- honestly, actually deserves that four for eighty contract he got. Yeah. Because um, he was around twenty points, nine ish rebounds. Um, like yeah, he deserves it. But it's just the rest of the development from then Isaac. Right. Like what kind of tandem can they be together, or are they kind of an overlap? Yeah. Are they? Because like I feel like Isaac could be a. F- four like I, probably is a natural four yeah aaron gordon's a natural four. four even though he has expanded his game quite a bit he can shoot the three a little bit better than uh what he was in the past when he came mm-hmm. into the league he was just like a blake griffin essentially um rim running just incredible dunker that he's expanded his game but like you are essentially playing two power forwards on the floor at the same time which yeah. And it, it looked clunky. Like it, it did like Jonathan Isaac this year in three and a half attempts per game from three only shot like thirty two percent. Like it and there was a reason like then it seemed like the spacing didn't work. And they desperately needed Nick Vucevic to take that step, which he did take that step also. Now did he probably get a little overpaid for it? Yes. <laughs> um, on that four for hundred million dollar deal. But he 
provided the spacing, Aaron Gordon like started to actually provide the spacing. This team really needed if Isaac wasn't going to be able to do it yet. So it's like almost a matter of just like semantics, like who's the three, four, five on this team? Yeah, because it's like the offensive roles, like. Jonathan Isaac was the five, but clearly he's not the five. Like Vucevic is, like or Gordon or whatever. It's like it. There's like terminology that's almost like just thrown out the window. Right. With Orlando and like wings. I don't know who the wings are in this team. Um, we're the bigs. I don't know. So we you kind of get into that. Um, but then you also get into like just straight up can Nick Vucevic kind of recreate that magic from last year. Ayo. Hey. <laughs> but, uh, so, because um, I don't know if he can. Like, I don't, like, he yeah. was dynamite last year. He was really good. He kind of got eviscerated by Joel Embiid in the playoffs, but everyone yeah, well, got eviscerated by, or, well, I guess they didn't play Joel Embiid. Uh, is Toronto. Yeah, he got put, he got eviscerated by Marc Gasol. Yeah, either way. Either way. So, big center who is real good at basketball. Yes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Like, it's going to be hard to recreate what he did last year because he was so good. I mean, 21, 12, and 4 That's, is what he averaged. Yeah. So, God. yeah, it's tough to just, like, even think, like, he can recreate that considering, like, this was, like, a pretty decent-sized jump. And, it, again, the efficiency also rose for him. He was taking three-pointers, taking three a game at a 36% clip. It's really like, good. Better than Joel Embiid. Yeah, like for taking anything close to that many per game like which really like it was just this year and last year like last year he was at 31 percent from three at on three attempts per game so it's like is it sustainable or is it drop back down to closer to 30 which is where like joel Embiid is at is closer to 30 and that's okay if your big man's around that number but that's not what orlando needs him to be like we talked about they borderline need him to shoot like a four um, yeah, in the NBA or the modern five, however you want to again classify the terminology here, <laughs> is what they need Nick Vucevic. At. A modern, Plus, a modern guy who's over six six, <laughs> who can still rebound at just an incredible rate and be like a somewhat secondary distributor with the ball too. Like that's just a lot to ask a big man um, who's seven years in. So it's like he's not done in his development. But, man, you start getting kind of close. Yeah. Like, this is, like, the top end of what he is. And is it sustainable? Yeah. Is this just Nick Vucevic or was it a flash and pan? We've yeah. had plenty of flash and pan dudes, you know, like, come off of one yeah. season and go on to the next. And now he's going to sit on the bench and get paid. <laughs> yeah. So, um, way to get your money. So, that's just it. Like, that's what this team needs. Because um, there's, not, like, not a great fallback plan for them. Like, the backup bigs are Okiki. Mobamba, Kim Birch. Honestly, out of all of them, I feel best about Kim Birch. Um, <laughs> straight up, like if I had to play someone for 20 NBA minutes tomorrow, I'm picking Kim Birch. So, like that just tells you though where they're at um, as a as a team. And maybe Bamba impresses um, this year because he didn't in year one um, at all. But what do you mean playing against a chair wasn't the best Ooh. draft? <laughs> so you know we'll we'll see there. And then the last thing is. Uh, with this team, like whatever their projection is, um, it does somewhat depend still on Markel Fultz. His ability to do just something. Get on the floor. Yeah. Because, um, again, you hear like, we don't know if he's going to be ready for the start of the year. But, man, he looks really good in practice. And it's like, what? Do you, 
if he looks really good in practice and he's playing in practice, why is he not playing in the games then? Yeah. Like, it's this is, like, hands down has to be one of the weirdest number one picks in all of sports ever, right? He looks so good. He plays and all of a sudden it's like what yeah it's like it's like that scene from the office when like stanley starts dribbling the basketball <laughs> and michael what it's like i feel like that's how all of us feel about marco Fultz. You're yeah like, this is what we're getting right now this is like what i've been told is the one of the best players supposed to be one of the best players of this generation and yeah, like you watch him play and you're like that ain't that, it that's that's like dj augustine like 10 years ago yeah so and <laughs> And so, like, Marco Fultz, like, I think he still has a spot in the NBA for sure. And talent-wise, like, he should definitely, like, be in a rotation. Yeah. But I I just don't know. And that's just kind of where, like, this conversation ends with him is, like, we just don't know. Because, <laughs> like, there, there's no way to know because no one's out. Like, he's not out there. Yeah, he was in practice behind closed doors. He was your most improved player for last year because your comment was it couldn't get any worse, (laughs) and it got worse. I mean, I guess if anything, I can make the bet again this year. And I I mean, it's eventually gonna either happen or he's just gonna be out of the NBA. He's gonna get cut. Like seriously, like there's only so many options for this dude. It's either step back up to being a number one pick or get cut. Yeah, because at this point, like people aren't gonna give him a second contract to not play. Like, just literally not play and field all kinds of questions on him. Yeah. So, that that's just kind of where he's at, which is really sad because he was a great prospect to evaluate and then, like, look forward to. But he just hasn't succumbed to it. Uh, it's just felt the pressure, and it just hasn't come out on a basketball court yet. One last team, um, so we can get out of here, is Washington. A team we bring up every single week, um, every single podcast, somehow, some way. Um, last season went 32-50. and 50. Um, quite a disappointing year. This year, probably going to be more disappointing, um, <laughs> depending on your expectations. So, we have to factor in the John Wall injury here. So, knowing that, I think this team, this starting lineup, it's it's looked kind of rough. Um, you have Ish Smith, who they brought in. I think that was actually a good little free agent signing there. Um, Bradley Beal, you're going to, I guess, start Troy Brown, um, your first-round pick from last year. Rui Hachimura your first round pick from this year, and then you brought back Thomas Bryant. And honestly, a pretty good deal on like a three for 25. So he'll probably be your starting center. Um, although I like the projection of this starting lineup in the next two to three years, I don't like it now um, in terms of winning basketball games. So <laughs> if you're trying to win basketball games, I'm not a fan. Um, the backups would be Justin Robinson, um, an undrafted free agent they brought in. Um, I actually really like him. Isaiah Thomas, you brought him in. Um, we'll see if he can play. He thinks he can. They think he can. Um, CJ Miles, they got in a trade. Davis or Davis Bertans, um, they just stole from the Spurs. Yeah. Um, which that's weird. The Wizards finessed the Spurs um, for a player. No, no, no. Marcus Morris finessed the Spurs. <laughs> Good point. Um, and then Jan Mahimi, and then at the end of the bench, John Wall's there because he's hurt. Um, Isaac Bonga, Jordan McRae. Uh, Admiral Schofield, their second round pick, and Mo Wagner. Um, we know they got him from the Lakers in that um, salary dump. So projections for this team, tank. Like, just go down with the ship. Yeah. And there's... That, I, I mean, like, that. that's it. Like, I feel yeah. like 32 wins, which is what they got last year. Like, that's, like, the ceiling for this team. Like... Oof. You know, I mean, like, I'm, I'm, I think, I think they're more in the... 
18 to 22 oh, don't wrong. games. I think that's more where they're at, too. I'm yeah. just saying, like, 32 is, like, the high end out. Oh, like outcome. oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Like, if they win 32 games, it's a mistake. Yeah, no, like, if they need... I think, like, they're going to try and be competitive, though. I think 24-ish yeah. is probably, like, realistic for them. Yeah. Although, I would love for them to be lower um, and <laughs> truly embrace it, but they won't do that. Um, they just won't. Is that just spitefulness coming out in the Celtics oh, fan that I you are? I don't care. Um, <laughs> they they screwed themselves up. Like, they did it to themselves. So uh, that's the best part. So this is honestly me trying to be objective and saying, like, this is how you get back on track to being yeah, a good team. Because yeah. that's how you got Brad Beal and John Wall. Like, you didn't just get them by, like, being slightly mediocre. Like, no, you were bad. You got a really good pick, and then you capitalize on the first and third picks in the draft um, in your respective years. So like, why not try it again? Because um, Rui Hachimura is only taking you so far, and Brad Beal is not going to be here for very long. Yeah, like how long is how long is that? Like, is it going to last till the trade deadline, or is he going to look around at ten games and go, "Get me out of here"? Yep, nope, out. Um, for his sake, I want it to be the game ten or fifteen. Yeah. For the Wizards, I think though they're going to try and hold out till more like January ish, um, so closer to the trade deadline. I. <laughs> Yeah, that question I typed out was how long will Brad Beal put up with this? Because that's what it's going to be. It's going to be putting up with this. Like he's going to have Ish Smith, who's at least a pro. Yeah. Um, be like, there's literally nothing else here um, to like tangibly work with this year. Thomas Bryant was like a nice little surprise um, this past season. I think Troy Brown and Rui Hachimura can like play developmental minutes, but like they're going to play through their mistakes, and there's just not a lot else. And that just means like you're a rebuilding team. And that's okay, but you have to embrace the rebuild, and I don't think Brad Beal wants that. You're right. So, do they lose like any leverage once if Brad Beal like were to pull a Rich Paul and just like come out with a tweet that said like I want out? Um, I don't know because I feel like pretty much everyone already knows it. Yeah, like, that he wants out, um, or that he's not destined to be there. However, you want to phrase that, um, he's not longed for Washington. So I don't know if it really hurt it that much more because I don't know how much there is to hurt. You know? That's a good point. So yeah, that's, that's a good point. At with them. Um, so at least if we're lo- trying to look forward, trying to be somewhat positive with this team, um, you got to play the young guys. That's really just what Scott Brooks has to do. Play the young guys. Like we said, Thomas Bryant was a nice surprise last year. Former Laker. Um, <laughs> they, they let go. Actually, looks like he definitely belongs in the NBA. Hmm, um, it's crazy. Like, all these former Lakers. And, like, these prospect-ish types that just really didn't get a chance in L.A. to develop. Um, it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, Hachimura, you spent a top 10 pick on him. You better play him a lot. Did an interview? Nope. Um, so, see what he's got there. Troy Brown was, uh, I think, like the 16th pick or 14th pick. Um, the year before, need to see what he's got. He had some injuries last year, so he didn't get a ton of time. Um, so he played it a lot in the G League, but need to play him, need to throw him on an NBA floor, see what he can do. Because like, I kind of like his game. Justin Robinson, I think, just a good can be a good NBA player. Admiral Schofield, Mo Wagner, like guys that either were a first round pick or like could have been a first round pick. Like I, I like the group of young players they have. Actually, I just don't love it. And you need to have someone in this young core that I love. And you rebuild, you tank to get it. Yeah. I mean, maybe they can package one of these guys like in a deal to... If you try to like flip it the other way and be like, no, we're 
we're retooling. Yeah. Like, yeah, you probably could. You could probably package Bryant, Brown, and someone else on this roster to make the money work for, like, a guy. But why did you trade Otto Porter last year then? <laughs> right? Yeah. So, and you didn't, like, get anything for it either. Yeah, um, you literally got nothing for... Because you took on Jabari Parker. For, and they didn't bring him out. They didn't bring him back. They let what? him go to Atlanta. So, like, that's just it. Like, if you wanted that, you shouldn't have done that trade last year. Uh, so that's kind of where I'm at. You at this point, you just gotta play the young guys. You you traded for it. You traded for the space. You traded for the picks. Just play them then. Yeah. Play them and see what happens. And then we'll just get to our big question, which we have at the end of every uh, of these podcasts. Except this number is significantly different. Interesting bet, Ryan. Over under one and a half playoff teams from the Southeast <sighs> Division. This is maybe the hardest one we have to <laughs> decide on. I'm going to take the over and assume Miami-Atlanta get in. Okay. So that's saying most people assume Miami's getting in. So that's your one. Yeah. And most people would agree with that. So then it's between, because we both think Washington's not making it. Orlando's got a chance. Atlanta's got a chance. Charlotte doesn't. So it's... You're betting on, if you're betting the over, you're thinking Atlanta or Orlando will get in. If you're taking the under, you're thinking neither will get in. So it's, it's kind of, I'll probably take the over also. Yeah. On that, although I don't feel like I could tell you which one, Orlando, Atlanta. I don't feel comfortable about it. Yeah. Like it's one of those, like, I, I'll just take the percentage that yeah, will, the like, odds say take two. Yeah. And like, I just, uh, I would, uh, like I said, I would lean towards Atlanta because they have a very clear path to yeah. that. Like Orlando, they kind of have to get lucky with Markel Fultz they might, back. Yeah. Well, they might just be good and like win games like against sucky teams a lot yeah. and just like then occasionally beat a Toronto or something. But like there, there are teams in this, uh, in the East where it's like Atlanta, Orlando, Detroit. And Toronto are kind of like those fringe playoff teams for the numbers seven and eight spot. So between those four teams, you gotta think like I, I guess you default can say like yeah, like taking the over is a smart bet here. Yeah, I, I, I forgot I what great. I said for those other divisions, but yeah, it feels I know. like, like we I might go back and say like oh crap, I have ten playoff. Teams. <laughs> I feel like that's what I have right now. Um, but you're like. So four playoff teams, two spots, two of those four are from the southeast. Like, yeah, I think one of them can get in. But then there's Detroit and Toronto. Yeah. You know, it, it's just like, I know right now, like, we're crossing divisions. So, like, it's sometimes harder to think about it. But, like, that's kind of where you're at. And I don't feel good either. <laughs> I don't feel confident either. I'll take the over just because the percentages say two, but... That's a, it's a sucky number of only one and a half, and yet it made it that hard because yeah. this is a sucky division. Because if it was like three and a half like we had for some other divisions, oh, it would be way the Easiest under yeah. uh, in the history yeah. of betting. But thankfully, this is not real betting. We're not putting real money on this because I don't have money to lose. <laughs> well, hold on. What do you, You're saying you're not going to take me to Disney World if Orlando makes the playoffs? What? <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Dang. All right. I thought that was the bet. Well, that's too bad. Um... Well, Matt, do you have anything else you want to add? I said this was going to be the shortest podcast ever it's on average for us. Yeah, I know. And we talked about Atlanta for a while, so sorry. But 
Yeah, we we always talk about Atlanta for some reason too. Atlanta and Washington are two like favorite teams they to crap on up. and just like praise up. Um, yeah, I mean this is uh, we have one more division to cover. The Southwest. Southwest. Um, thank you so much for listening to episode forty-six. Matt, we're going to have some wild podcasts come out before the season starts because we're just going to have to start pulling content out of nowhere. That's cool. Yeah, it's going to get bonkers. I'm excited for it. Let's go. Uh, Anyway, thank you so much for listening. We will see you back uh, next week. Yeah.